Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Well, good morning, Epiphany Church. So good to be gathered with God's people this morning, celebrating the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Let me uh, let me jump right from where Gabe was. Welcome to all of our first-time visitors. If you are logged on for the first time, hanging out with us, shout out to you. It is a big deal that you're hanging out, and we are we're really grateful and we're really glad. Uh, I saw somebody in the chat room from from saying good morning from Arizona and. Uh, shout out to the London crew that usually hangs out and watches on Sunday mornings. We are we are so grateful. Uh, our church really does believe that we exist to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. It's a big mission, but we have a big God that is able to stretch out and reach. And today we'll find out that he has full authority here uh, in Brooklyn, New York. And so let's get right to it. I, I usually don't like to play a lot of small talk. I like to get right to the word of God. So uh, grab your Bibles and your devices and get to Romans chapter 13. We are making good traction through the book of Romans. Hey, shout out really quickly to uh, the few people that are in the building today. Um, it is a snowstorm outside, and so we have uh, drastically reduced the amount of people that are in the building. Uh, so shout out to, to, to the, the tech team and Ed, and uh, shout out to, to Gabe for, for hanging out today. Uh, it is also not just a snowy Sunday, but as Gabe said, it's Super Bowl Sunday, uh, and I don't know how you feel about that. I don't know how, how much you get plugged in and, and get excited about, you know, if you get the wings and the pizza, and if you're, you're all in for the commercials, or if you're actually watching the game, uh, it's the Buccaneers versus uh, Kansas City Chiefs, and so many people are, are divided on who's going to win. I typically don't go against Tom Brady. Uh, but I'm excited to at least check out some uh, something enjoyable tonight. Six, I think it's six or six thirty. Anyway, let's get right to the Word of God. Uh, grateful for Bishop George C. Wright being with us last week. His presence uh, was certainly felt and heard, and we are grateful for the ministry of, of Bishop C. Wright. He's the Church Abundant Life Fellowship um, Family Worship Center has been in existence this year makes 30 years. He has been married for 45 years with no scandals. That will preach in and of itself, uh, but we don't have time. So let's get right to it. Verse one, verse one, I hope y'all got your Bibles. I hope y'all are there. It says this, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God. Underline this phrase, and those that have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resist uh, what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For the rulers are not a terror of good conduct, but bad. Would you, not, would you have no fear of the one who, has, who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is a servant uh, for your good, but if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on wrongdoers. Therefore, one must be subject, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities. For the authorities are ministers of God attending 
to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. And finally, honor to whom honor is owed. Uh, we'll stop there. And I, I just want to preach from the topic entitled Believers Interacting with Government. Believers Interacting with Government. Let's, uh, let's look to the Lord. Before we pray, I just want to quickly encourage the church to stay plugged in. I know it feels like we've been in Romans for 10 years. It feels like we've been in this book for a decade. It's been some time. I think the pandemic kind of threw some things off. But uh, nevertheless, we really do believe that one of the ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to the church is through leading us through books of the Bible. Um, I've said this, and sometimes it sounds a little cliche, but, but it's true. You know, I don't have the authority to pick and choose what I'm going to preach. I love the way Paul says it in Acts chapter 20. I feel like I'm preaching. I haven't prayed yet. Acts chapter 20, he says, I didn't shrink away from declaring all the whole counsel of the word of God. And so it's something important about going through all of what um, the scriptures say. So please hang in there with us. I know we're, 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 we're taking our time here, but hang in there with us. All right, let's, uh, let's look to the Lord. Uh, Lord, we do thank you this morning, this snowy morning. We thank you for the ability to be able to uh, utilize technology and be able to just pipe onto our phones and, and be able to see worship. Thank you for the worship team and, and thank you for the tech team and be able to log on and just see a word. So many probably are still in their beds right now, but they're able to sip on coffee and be snuggled up in a warm house, in a warm bed, and be able to hear your word proclaimed. And so, Father, I pray, oh God, that today you would penetrate hearts. And I know, God, worship is different through technology versus in person. But, Father, nevertheless, we could be isolated from your word today. We could be quarantined from your word. But you, you have a unique way, oh God, of speaking to us. And so, Father, would you teach us today through your word? Would you help us to be faithful? Would you help me to be faithful to all that is before me? It is in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Believers interacting with government. Man, I have to be honest that this, this passage is, um, is somewhat hard and, and, and problematic in many ways. It's been used in the past uh, and somewhat used in the present uh, to legitimize systems and structures that have oppressed and dehumanized entire communities and even dehumanized entire people groups. One of my favorite theologians is a guy by the name of Howard Washington Thurman. He was an influential author and philosopher, and he was a theologian and, a, and an educator and a civil rights leader. He, he was even the dean of um, chapel at Howard University. Shout out to H.U., he was also the dean of chapel, the first African-American dean of chapel at Boston University. This is in the 50s and the 60s. And when he was growing up, he was um, the grandson of a former slave. And his grandmother often would ask him to come and read the Bible to her because she did not have, she wasn't privileged during slavery to learn how to read so she didn't know how to read, but she knew something was about, so it was something about the word of God. And so she would have, have Howard Thurman come over, young Howard Thurman, and he would just read to her the Bible. But there were certain parts of the Bible that she would say, wait, 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 baby, you, you can't read that part of the Bible to me. 
You, you can read Isaiah to me. You can read the Psalms to me. You can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Tell me about the cross. Tell me about Jesus. You can read Revelation. I want to know what eschatological uh, 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 theology looks like. Like she would want to know all of these things, but there were certain parts that she would say, do not read. She would say, please don't read from the Pauline epistles. She would say, please don't read from any of Peter's epistles because those were two of the writers that the slave owners would get their priests and their, and their pastors to come onto the plantations and they would preach texts like Romans 13 and completely misuse the text. They would preach places like Romans 13 and, and they would tell slaves that they should be subject in a way that they should be happy to be slaves. And he found this out by asking his grandmother, why can't I read these to you? And she said, baby, I, I promise God that if I ever learned how to read or if I ever had the ability to just hear the word of God and if I ever got any type of freedom, I would stay away from those passages. It's a, it's a shame that she was so broken by the misuse of text that there were entire parts of the Bible that she completely blotted out. But I, I, I want to suggest to you today that Paul is not endorsing slavery in any way. In fact, I, I would say that this text has absolutely nothing to do with slavery, and it certainly has nothing to do with American slavery. Uh, but I think the text today is going to help us to understand what human flourishing looks like. It's going to show us that even though we have an allegiance to God, there is some civil responsibility that we have to human government. And you know, it's funny, you know, when, when, I, when I read texts like this, and even places like 1 Peter, I think it's 1 Peter 3, when I read these texts, and know how slave owners used to misuse them, it, it, it has caused me to literally stop reading any theologian that was a slave owner. Because I, I just don't, I can't fathom in my mind how you have so much insight to the word of God and so much insight and so much Holy Spirit working in you to understand the text and be able to parse Greek and understand Hebrew, yet you don't have enough discernment to know that you are off track of God's will and slave owning. Did they not read places like Exodus chapter 21 verse 16 where it says whoever steals a man and sells him anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. God was against American slavery. Places like Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 promotes that we are made in the image of God the Amago day. They say, let us make man, triune God, let us make man in our image. And so I've chosen to completely blot out reading any theologians that were slave owners. That means I don't read Jonathan Edwards. I don't read George Whitfield. I don't read Cotton Mather. And, and the reason is because there's so many other faithful men and women in ancient history and in the early church that have been faithful to God, faithful to moral character, faithful to integrity, and been faithful to preaching the word of God. And so the text before us, again, has nothing to do with slavery. In fact, I'll go so far as to say it like this. This text today is not even just to America. The text today, although written to Rome, has implications for America, but it's for every nation of all time, in, in any part of the world. Every nation should be able to read Romans chapter 13, verse 1 through 7, and be able to understand what God's will is for us as human beings that have committed ourselves to, uh, to, 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 to our citizenship in heaven. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven, but also while we are still here, what does life look like for us? And so Paul is going to give us some instructions today. 
And here's how he starts it. I hope y'all are rocking with me. Let every person, verse one, be subject. Be subject to who, Paul? To the governing authorities. I read this verse, the first part of this verse, and I read it, and I read it, and I read it, and I walked away, and I came back earlier this week, and I, and I read it, and I realized that I wish that Paul had put some conditional language in the, in the first part of verse one. I wish that he put some limiting words in the first part of one. You ever did that where you read a text, you're like, God, I know what you said, but I wish you said this instead. Or you wish you could add to the text. Thank God I can't do that. But I, I wish that he had given us some words that gave me out from submitting to the government based on the government's lack of justice or based on the government's lack of godly character. I wish the text read something like this. Let every person be subject to most governing authorities. Let every uh, person be subject to some governing authorities. I wish the text read, let every person be subject to just governing authorities. Or let every person be subject to godly governing authorities. Unfortunately, Paul does not give us any freedom to choose when we will submit to governing authorities. Paul is writing to believers under the Roman government and he is saying to them, I know your allegiance is in heaven, but it does not negate your secular responsibility to human government. Again, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we wait a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, your citizenship is in heaven. But let me encourage you to understand something very important today, that you actually have dual citizenship. You, if you have trusted in Jesus, did you know that you have two passports? You have one passport here on earth that gets you to move around here on this part of the world. But you also have a passport and a ticket to heaven. And so, yes, we have dual citizenship and my ultimate allegiance is to God. But that doesn't mean that I don't have responsibility here. Just because you've trusted in Jesus doesn't mean you get you don't get to abide by Roman law is what Paul is telling them. He said, I know y'all trusting in Jesus and I know the gospel is flourishing in Rome, but there's a Roman government over you and you must submit to that government. He says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. This means likewise for us. Even though we've trusted in Jesus, you may not agree with every American law, but that doesn't mean just because you trusted in Jesus that you get to break laws. I hope this makes sense. We don't get to break laws because our candidate wasn't selected. Let me be very clear. We don't get to break windows at the Capitol building because joint session, a joint session of Congress is taking place to validate the next administration. This is what makes the insurrection at the Capitol so wicked, domestic terrorists coming into attempt to overthrow a government. If I read Paul correctly, he says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. And here's the worst part of the insurrection. The worst part of it for me was seeing people out there with Jesus save signs and seeing people out there with in God we trust signs. There was one point where I even saw that they erected a cross and put Trump's flag next to the cross. And don't get me wrong. I believe Jesus saves. Don't get me wrong. I believe that we should say in God we trust. Don't get me wrong. I have submitted my life to the cross. My problem is when you try to coast, get God to co-sign your criminal behavior. 
My problem is when you try to get God to co-sign your stupidity, God is not endorsing childish rebellions. God is not endorsing domestic terrorism. He says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. When I looked at the civil rights movement in the 50s and the 60s, and they didn't agree with this. I mean, this is civil rights. We, we literally had no civil, civil rights. Just civil. The, the, the basics. And when I looked at that civil rights movement and I saw how peacefully they protested. And I saw Martin Luther King walk the same streets that we saw an insurrection happen. And watch how they peacefully protested. I understood what Paul was saying a little bit more, let every person be subject. That don't mean you got to agree with every law. You might work to change the law. You might vote people in to change the law. You might get in government yourself to change the law. You might be serious about civil advocacy in your neighborhood and in your community. You might be serious about grassroots movements, but nevertheless, your citizenship in heaven doesn't allow you not to be subject to the governing Authorities. Let me be very clear here and, and, and state here for a second that when Paul says this, he, he's not saying submit to good, uh, 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 good leaders uh, versus dictators. When I read this earlier, I had a list of names for Paul. I said, Paul, let, let, me, just, let me just, I just want to make sure your boy understands you here. I said, Kim Jong-un? I said, Joseph Stalin? Let me get us out of America for a second. There's, a, there's other parts of the world that have horrible governments. Vladimir Putin? You, you mean Adolf Hitler, which was responsible for the genocide of millions of Jews? Should I submit to leaders that are causing me to sin? Here's the response I would give you. You submit, but remember your ultimate allegiance is to God, which means there's a point where if the government is causing you to sin, you don't have to submit any longer. Let me point you to an example in Exodus chapter 2. The most powerful man, not just in Egypt, but in the world, told two Hebrew midwives to kill all the firstborn sons. They understood that killing was murder. They understood that that was against God's will. And so they denied. They, 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 they realized that they could not do what the most powerful man told them to do. Pharaoh is in charge of the palace. He's in charge of the flow of commerce. He owns everything up and down the Nile River. The only thing he has no authority over is believers calling them to fall into sin. And so, so there are points where we can say to the government, nah, I can't do that. If that causes me to stumble, if that causes me to sin against my God, I can't do that. But if it's just a law that you just don't agree with, here's what Paul says. Let every person be subject to the governing authority. Here's why I told you to underline this. For there is no authority except from God. That's why we submit, because if, you are, if you're going to understand human government, you have to understand that human government is under the authority of God. I don't know if that makes sense, but God is the ultimate authority even over government. God rules over rulers. God's throne is over on top of thrones. And here's what I know about our God. He does so and doesn't need secret service. He has full authority over every single government, the Greek word that's used here. I hope y'all are rocking with me. I, I, I promise you, when I say that we wouldn't, if it was left up to me, I probably wouldn't have preached this passage this morning, but it's before us and it has to be something in it for us. There's a word that Paul uses here. He says in verse one, he says, for there is no, watch this word, authority. 
The Greek word here that's, that's used for authority is exousia. Uh, tech team, if you could put up that definition for me. Exousia means power and authority over a domain often pertaining to political and relig- in a religious sphere. The, the, note that, the, 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 that this word, this Greek word authority has two re- really dominating themes. It's power and authority. It is not just power. It is not just authority, but it is power and authority. You got to understand something about power and authority. There are two different things. Power and authority are not the same thing. You can have power with no authority. Let me, let, let me kind of give you an example of this. The, the office of the presidency is the most powerful office, not in the country, but in the world. God is saying that I have exousia. I have authority even over the most powerful office in the world. It's Tony Evans from Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship that highlights the difference between uh, power and authority. It's, it's, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Let me try to make this plain with a football illustration. On the football field, there's, there's really, at, when, a, when a play is going on, there's only two types of people that are on the field. There are football players and there are referees. That's it. Yeah, you got coaches and stuff on the side, but on the field, when, when action is happening, there is football players and there is referees. Now, the football players, I think we could all agree, have power. Football players can bench press, bench press 400 pounds. There are some football players in, in the past that have run 4-2 flats in the 40. Some of them, their legs are bigger than my entire body. They have absolute power on the football field. A lineman will run you over in a second. But the referee doesn't have that type of power. Typically, a referee can't bench press 400 pounds. They probably aren't running four twos in the 40. They probably aren't as big as the linemen or the linebackers. But what they do have is authority. You got to understand how this works. The football player can bench press 400 pounds, but all the referee has is a whistle. And with a whistle, watch the authority. He can penalize the football player. He can push them back 10 yards. If he wanted to, he could kick players out of the game. What God is exercising, not just on the football field, but over all of creation is power and authority. He is exercising exousia, but the only difference is no instant replay or no commissioner's ruling can overrule our God. Let me put some Bible here on the authority of the exousia of God. When uh, uh, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 28 and 29, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had, here it is, exousia, authority. Okay, that didn't get you. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. All authority, same word, exousia, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Do you realize that Jesus just claimed authority in heaven and on earth? But he doesn't just have authority over the political world. He doesn't just have authority over the church, which he has authority over both of those. He also has authority, don't miss this, over my salvation. Matthew chapter 9, verse 6, same word, but you may know that the Son of Man has exousia, authority 
on earth to forgive sins. I serve a God that is not just in control of the White House, but I serve a God that is in control of salvation at my house. I serve a God and you serve a God that is able to exercise exousia over your dead heart. You serve a God that is able to, uh, to exercise exousia over your dysfunctional, sinful life. God looked down and he decided to give us mercy. He looked down and decided to give us grace. He looked down and decided to give us salvation. And the greatest place to see exousia is at the cross of Jesus Christ. Because it is at the cross of Jesus Christ where he exercises full authority. I know somebody at home is right now is going, he didn't look that powerful and he didn't look that authoritative on the cross. But don't you get it twisted just because he came in like a lamb before the slaughter. He is coming back as a ferocious lion. He maintained on the cross while he was dying full exousia. Let me put Bible here. Colossians chapter 2 verse 15. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He put them to shame publicly and gave victory via the cross. It is the cross of Jesus Christ that I get to see exousia over salvation. It is the cross of Jesus Christ where I get to see God flex his muscles. And so the Bible says here that there is no authority except from God. I, this is why, you know, I vote, but this is why I'm not scared of who wins. I'm not afraid of who's in office. I'm never shaking my boots. I don't need to storm the Capitol because I realize whoever. In fact, the text goes on to say for those, it says, and those that exist in office have been instituted by God. In other words, I don't know how God does it. I don't know why he puts some people in office, but I trust that at the end of the day, he works this thing out for his will because he has full authority, even over governing authorities. Uh, let me give you a story here in John chapter 19. The Bible says Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate is the Roman govern governor. He is a powerful man. He literally is holding Jesus' life in his hands. He can either cause Jesus to walk free or he can condemn him to the cross. And the Bible says that Jesus wouldn't say a mumbling word. And Pilate says, Pontius Pilate says to Jesus in verse 10, will you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have same word, exousia, authority to release you and exousia to crucify you? I bet I, I can't prove it, but I bet you Jesus laughed right there because his response was back to him was, you don't have authority. The authority you have over me is given to you from above. And so anybody that is in office, I am never afraid because my God has exousia. He has full authority. So, yes, you vote, but the outcome is fully God's. God is never surprised by elections. God is never surprised by elections being rigged. He is not surprised by dictators. He is not surprised by corrupt governments. He is not surprised by systemic racism. And I am waiting for the day that he validates and vindicates all of those that have been oppressed. But right now, I'm just trusting that he is exercising his full authority. So the ultimate goal here of the government, of the governing authorities, watch this. The text says is to keep peace. That's the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal of human government is to keep peace. And you know what Paul says here that's interesting to me? Paul says, you know how the government's supposed to keep peace? By driving fear in your heart for doing wrong. Look at verse 3. 
It says, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Here's the word. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval. He's going to use the same word again. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, here it is, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's servant and avenger to who carries out God's wrath on wrongdoers. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Paul says that the goal uh, 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 that the, the goal of this letter to the church at Rome, the believers at Rome, is to make sure I strike enough healthy fear in you that you will not buck up against the Roman government. He said he, he what, what he's saying is he's trying to get the believers to understand that the government should and will bring fear to anybody that has done wrong. But if you completely operate under the laws of the land. What he is saying here is that you should be all right. The government is supposed to consciously or even unconsciously serve God's purpose in maintaining order, restraining wrongdoing, and promote good conduct. That that's what the government, government's job is, is to help you to promote good conduct. It is the government's job to promote good character. They should model good character and they should model morals. And I know you're saying, sitting there going, ah, but I don't see the government doing that. But this is what Paul is saying they should be doing. This, this, this is why we fight to make sure that we put people in offices, not just the highest office, but any local office that has good character because they should promote good character. They should promote good morals. And this is why when I vote, I don't just vote policy. When I vote, I vote character. Character is always on the ballot for me. Yeah, I'm looking at policy, but I want to know, are you a liar? I want to I know, are you faithful to your wife or faithful to your husband? Like, I, I, these are things that I care about because I realize that if they're going to strike fear in the wrongdoer, they themselves can't be the wrongdoers. The government's job is to strike fear in wrongdoers, preventing anarchy. Because if they don't strike fear, if you don't have fear struck in you that when you break a law, something could happen wrong, something uh, you could suffer the consequences and that means you'll always break laws. And if everybody is always breaking laws, you got to understand that's chaos. That's anarchy. There was a point where Israel didn't have uh, any king over them. And the Bible says in Judges chapter 21, in those days, there was no king over Israel. Watch this. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. No governing authority is chaos. It is dysfunction. It is anarchy. And so God is like, listen, I'm, I am pro-government. But government can't be corrupt. Government's job is to help to protect the Imago Dei. The, those that are made in the image of God. Don't you get it twisted. It is not only believers that are made in the image of God. But even an atheist that bucks his fist against the heavens is made in the image of God. And government's job is to protect all. The problem is when the system is corrupt. The problem is when the system doesn't only condemn evil, but they are evil. And this is why we fight for justice. We fight for justice because we want to see God's agenda of restraining evil promoted. Baked into this American system that we, if you're, if you're here in the States, based, baked, baked into our system uh, is corruption. Baked, baked into our system is systemic racism. You know, and oftentimes pastors that preach against injustice get labeled as critical race theorists. 
It's not critical race theory. I'm trying to be faithful to verses three to verses five. The wrongdoer should fear. And that means if no one is above the law, even the wrongdoer that is in office. Okay, let, let, me, let me move on. So, so far, here's what Paul is saying. There is no authority except from God. So, so those who are in places right now, it doesn't matter what government they are over. It doesn't matter what government job they have. They have been instituted by God. God has put them there and God is using them to promote his will and his agenda. Secondly, the government is supposed to condemn evil, which promotes good behavior. Finally, verse six and seven, he shows us why it's important for believers to pay their taxes. It almost feels like this doesn't connect or this doesn't fit, but it actually does. Look at verse six. I'm almost done here. He says, for because of this, you also pay taxes. It says, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to him, taxes of whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue, uh, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. Part of what it means to submit to a government is to pay your taxes. The, 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 the civil obligation shows us, the civil obligation of paying your taxes shows that you trust not the government, but the God that's over the government. Let me, let me just be clear. Christians don't cheat on their taxes. Tr Christians don't avoid paying taxes. Let me get practical here. Tax evasion <laughs> is, a, is a crime. Like you can get up to five years for it. That's just on the practical side. But on the spiritual side, like Paul is saying, pay your taxes. I don't care if you don't agree with the government. Pay your taxes. Jesus said the same thing. He said, they said, who should we submit to? He says, bring me a coin. Who, bring me a denarii. Who's on it? They said Caesar. He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. In other words, pay taxes to whom taxes are owed. And in God's eye, not paying taxes is the ultimate rebellion, not against that government, but the ultimate rebellion against God's order to maintain peace. Again, the government is supposed to maintain peace. You pay taxes to the government, not because you trust them, but because you trust God, believers pay taxes. We don't, we don't cheat on our taxes. We don't claim kids on our taxes that aren't ours. We don't skip over taxes. We don't look for loopholes in order not to pay taxes. We, we, we should be the first ones that are upstanding, law-abiding citizens. And if there are laws that we don't agree with, not paying taxes doesn't help it. Why don't you get in there and reform it? If you don't agree with the law, you know, why, why don't you look for ways to defund it? I'm, I'm not going to go here today. Why don't you vote politicians in that their responsibility is to make sure that laws are being changed for your benefit? So Paul here gives no room to avoid taxes. We are to live exemplary lives as Christians and promote to the world that I can abide by the laws, but I can also look forward to a day where I'm sitting in heaven, where my full citizenship is. Paul certainly could have left this passage out. I'm going to end here. He said Paul could have left this out. But there is a reason that Paul wanted to talk to the Roman believers about how to interact with government. Many of them were looking at the Roman government now that they have trusted in Jesus. And they said, you know what? I got a ticket to heaven. I ain't got to do nothing on earth. Paul is like, yeah, you do, though. Got to be good citizens still. Don't, 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 don't break laws. Don't fall into sin if the government is calling you to sin. But you should be able to submit. And I'm not just talking again to American government. But I'm talking 
all nations. If you're piped in today and you're, you're, you're watching from another country, bye bye your country's laws. Like I said, we got a crew that watches from London. Shout out to y'all. Abide by your country's law. Let, let, let me end by saying this. I don't think Paul is just talking about governing authorities as in government officials. I think this also means teachers and professors. I know you're like, nah, I, I'm, not, I'm not submitting to my professor. And bosses, parking attendants, whoever has authority over you in whatever sphere of life it is. Paul is like, just go ahead and be a good citizen. I'm going to simply pray for us now. Nothing deep, nothing spooky. I just want to pray for us because many of us, and I, I'm, I said us, many of us have issues with texts like this. Again, I promise you I would have skipped this one today. But there's a reason that Paul put this in. I don't know if I fully understand it, but I trust that God knows what he's doing. Father, I thank you for everybody that's piped on today. I thank you, oh God, for... This text, I, I don't know how it impacts us, I, I, but, but I, I know it is your will for us not to break laws. It is your, your will for us to get into government and hold government officials uh, accountable, but we do so in a godly way. We do so in a way that promotes your agenda. We do so in a way that is loving and kind, but stern. So Father, would you give us a great balance today? Would you help us not to just complain about laws? Would you help us to really get in and try to fix them? But at the end of the day, oh God, help us, oh God, to be faithful to what you're saying in this text. Be subject to the governing authorities. There is no authority except from God. Tell us in this text to pay your taxes. So Father, we, we want to do these things and sometimes it's not easy. So give us the willpower. Give us the endurance. Give us the wisdom and give us the discernment. In Christ's name, amen. Let's move back into a time of worship. I want to encourage you to get your communion. If you're, if you're home, grab whatever it is that you have, the juice and the bread, and why don't you get it and prepare and worship with us, and then we'll move right in communion. <laughs>